Welcome to episode 24 of Third Heaven Authority Podcast. I'm Mike Thompson. This is the second part of our study on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The reason is spiritual gifting is actually a part of Third Heaven Authority because spiritual gifting actually releases on the inside of us an authority and a power to be used in our lives and to actually affect the lives of our family and those that are around us for positive things that come from the Spirit of God. They're dynamic, they're powerful, something very important. Now, just a real quick overview and review is last week we discussed the fact that there are three categories of spiritual gifting in the New Testament. In Romans 12, it's what we call the motivational gifts. Those motive gifts are actually from the Father himself. So we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that are involved in spiritual gifting for the people who are the children of God. And they're all in relation to that relationship that we have with him. He's the Father, we're the children. So they're motivational gifts that are a bent in the spirit of who we are, and they motivate and work through everything that we do. And those are prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. Then we find that in Ephesians 4, there's another lifting, and it is the fivefold office ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Now, these are all given and administrated over by the Lord Jesus and their leadership positions in the body of Christ. Now, the charismatic gifts are in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, and they are administrated over by the Holy Spirit himself. These are the gifts that actually carry uh, the revelation and the power for individual believers in being able to accomplish all of the things of the kingdom. It's when people are healed, where spirits are cast out, where there's discernment about specific events or demons that may be present, and all of that wonderful things that we experience in the kingdom, the great power displays. So we're having fun talking about those because I really want you to experience it. The Apostle Paul, the very first of that chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning these. God wants us to all know what they are and how they operate. Those gifts are divided into three categories, just for explanation only. There are three revelatory gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. That's where God reveals things to us and through us. So I went through and defined those last week, talked about them. We're going to pick up with the second listing, and that is power gifts, gift of faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. And then we'll go on to the three vocal gifts, the gifts that say something. And that's gift of prophecy, different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So let's just jump into this. When we talk about those three power gifts, the first one is the gift of faith. Now, my definition of the gift of faith is that it's a special sustaining faith. 
It's important for us to understand that faith is faith in the New Testament in the sense that it all operates by the definition and the ground rules. Faith is complete trust and reliance upon God. Faith, the God kind of faith, transcends earthly faith. We have a head faith about natural things. Uh, You have a head faith that is born by experience, and you know that uh, if you were to walk up to your couch and sit down, that you have faith that it's going to hold you up because you've done it before. It's not going to collapse underneath you and dump you out on the floor. So there's many areas of faith just in the natural realm, but we're talking about the God kind of faith. We're talking about spiritual dynamics because the spiritual gifting is tacked on to all of our natural abilities. We can't explain it by natural rules and definition. That's not the realm that God operates in. These are spiritualities, spiritual dynamics. So the gift of faith, then, is one of the kinds of faith. Now, I personally identify four basic kinds of faith. Number one, the Bible talks about saving faith. It's a kind of faith where you reach out, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you trust in your heart, you get saved. But then there's a second kind of faith, and that faith is uh, what I call productive faith. It's a faith that produces. That's a kind of faith that is used in prayer, uh, casting out demons, praying for the sick, all elements where there's a spiritual release that needs faith to produce something in our lives. Now, the reason I say it's different is because you can be saved and have saving faith and then never produce anything, never pray. So that productive faith has to be operating in our lives. Now, there's a third kind of faith, and that's what I call keeping faith. Keeping faith is actually, you know, Jesus said that when he comes back, will he still find faith on the earth? What about those that are you know, will stand in faith until the end? Uh, so you can be saved with saving faith. You can operate in various forms of productive faith, but then you can just give up on the Lord, never do anything, and not keep yourself in the center of God's will until he returns or until you pass away and, and go to heaven, etc. So we have to have all of those kinds of faith operating But then there's another one, and that's the gift of faith. The gift of faith is when the Holy Spirit gives us a special sustaining faith. He adds it in. It usually comes at a time where there is heavy anointings that are beginning to work in our lives. Now, in the New Testament, here's a few examples. Like, for instance, in Luke 22 and also in Matthew 28, we find the same story about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, at that end, the Bible actually says the agony that was on him preceding his crucifixion was so strong that he would have died under the weight of it before he ever made it to the cross. There was two things that happened. Number one is there's a special sustaining faith that was added to him. You remember, like Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was Elijah being fed in the wilderness by the ravens. Times like that where Jesus needed help. And the Bible says in addition to that kind of faith that came to him to stand, 
because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him when John the Baptist baptized him in the Jordan River. But also it says that the angels ministered to him and they ministered strength. So there was supernatural faith and supernatural strength that came to him to sustain him to the crucifixion and beyond. Also in the 16th chapter of Acts, the Bible talks about Paul and Silas who were arrested, thrown in the common prison and were singing praises to God. You know, while in that Macedonian prison, I think that their hearts would have just at that point not been sufficient. Their own ability, their own faith, they began to praise and to worship God. And there was a sustaining faith that came to them. I remember even in my own life, there have been many times where that gift of faith is there. I've done things that I wouldn't have had the faith normally to do it, but I did it under the anointing. I remember the very first time that I prayed for somebody in a wheelchair. I was just a young minister. I'd only been full-time in the ministry for months. And I was preaching in this one meeting. And man, during those days, uh, it it was all about faith. It was all about miracles. CK and I would go in and hold a meeting somewhere and and just operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and people would be healed, and demons would be cast out. And and in that atmosphere of the miraculous, people were not only blessed, but then they would go home and get people and bring them back the next night who needed Jesus or needed a touch from God. And so I was preaching this meeting, and I got to the end of it. I asked if there's anybody that needed to be healed. And over to my left, there was a person who raised their hand, and I noticed that they were in a wheelchair. My lens, my faith was challenged at that point. In normal situations, I don't know exactly what I would have done, but the anointing was so heavy on me, and the gifts, all the various gifts, were operating through me at the time, and the gift of faith kicked in. And I just said, okay, man. And I went over and I just grabbed that person by the hand and I quoted scripture. And I just said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And that person just stood up out of that wheelchair and was healed. It surprised me as much as it did him and the rest of the people. After it was all over with, I I just kind of went home and I went, oh my God, what did I do? Lord, thank you for helping me. But sometimes we need that extra faith. It's tacked onto our faith. Now, again, I want to make this very clear. We have keeping faith. We have productive faith, uh, saving faith, all of those things. But then a special anointing, the Holy Spirit can at times sustain us by tacking it on, and allowing us to have faith for the situation. Now, let's talk about the gifts of healings. It's a special power to remove sickness and disease because it's about healings. It's interesting that that's the only one where gifts is plural. So it indicates that there may be many gifts of healings, various forms. Sometimes we see people that it just seems like there's a miracle working 
gift on them for people who have bad backs or for getting people healed who have cancer or other things. And there are various forms of how this manifests in different people. The most important thing is that we just realize there's a spiritual gift that comes on us. Now, again, I, I really have to clarify, every believer is told that they can pray for the sick and they will be healed. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But there are times when our obedience leads us to a place that the Holy Spirit has to tack something else on. In the New Testament, in the fifth chapter of Mark, there was a woman that came up behind Jesus and she was bowed over and she touched the hem of his garment, and she was completely healed of the flow of blood in her body. In Acts 19, verses 11 and 12 specifically, it talks about how that many Ephesians were healed by handkerchiefs, pieces of cloth that were torn from the apron that were on Paul's body while he was there at work. He was making tents at that point, and so he didn't have the time to jump up and run and pray for everybody. So he'd take these pieces of cloths, and anointing would be in them, and they would go and lay those cloths on the people's bodies. And there was a special removal of sickness and disease by the anointing of God. There was a gift there that was operating I prayed for a, a teenage girl in here in Las Vegas, and her mother brought her up and said, would you pray because we just discovered a lump in her breast. We haven't had time to go to the doctor, but we want to go to Dr. Jesus first. And so I said, okay, I laid hands on her. I prayed for her for the lump to be removed. And then when it was over, they just jumped out of, of the prayer line and went running to the bathroom. And I wasn't sure what was going on, but about five minutes later, they came out of the bathroom, came running up before everybody and said, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. It was supernatural healing and a miraculous work that was done. There's so many people that are sending in testimonies these days about being healed. That's why I pray for every, every podcast, every video, everything that I can get it in. I pray for people and release healing and delivering anointings. And I get testimonies from so many people saying, man, when you prayed that prayer, something hit my body and it just healed me. God healed me. That's something we know was anointing. That something was the Holy Spirit and the miracle working power of God. I was just healed. I just love those testimonies. Well, let's talk about working of miracles. It's a special power to alter natural laws. That's the difference between a healing and a miracle. The miracle has to do with natural laws and the changing of them. Okay, some examples from the New Testament. In Acts 6, Jesus fed 5,000 men and their families with five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, he had them sit down in companies or groups of 150, called the disciples up. He prayed, broke the bread, 
handed it to the disciples. I think the miracle was a continuing miracle. When he broke those um, couple of loaves and fish and then handed them to the disciples, they multiplied enough to give to them. And then when the disciples went and began to give it to the other people and they broke them, then it fed all of the 5,000 men, their families, and 12 baskets were gathered up afterwards. That was a miracle. In Acts 20, there's a story of Paul preaching. As he's preaching, there's a young man. This is on the third floor of the building. He's sitting in the window because the place was packed out. He goes to sleep and falls out and dies. Paul runs down. He knew the story of the prophets in the Old Testament. He throws himself on that young boy's body and raises him from the dead. Wonderful, wonderful miracles. You know, C.K. and I have been in situations where like uh, the multiplying of food. One time we were at a camp. It was a retreat. On the very last day of the camp, the food was running short. There wasn't enough food left to feed the people. And so we gathered together, the leaders, the main people in the camp, and just prayed. The cooks put the food together. Everybody came in. They fed everyone and then had as much left over as we started with. God performs miracles. It was one time when early days when CK and I, I love telling early stories. Uh, These things still happen to me all of the time, and I'll tell those too. But sometimes uh, when I tell the first time that something happened in my life, It's important because I feel like it transfers a revelation and an anointing for first times in your life. That's why I do it. The first year of our ministry, CK and I had a motorhome, and we were traveling, preaching everywhere. There was one month that our our finances were tight, and I went down to talk to the people at the credit union where I had it financed, and they said, well, you don't have a payment. I said, well, yeah, I haven't made it. They looked it up on the computer, and they said, well, there's no payment that's due this month. And I just, I didn't argue. I just praised the Lord and walked out. That same motorhome, we were driving home from a meeting one time. It was late at night, and in the city we had gone to, there's early days. It was a little bit different than it is now, as far as debit cards and that kind of stuff, they just were not available. And so all we had was a check. After the meeting, I needed some gas in order to get home. We were going to drive home that night. And none of the gas stations were open. If, if there was one that was open, I don't remember, but they probably didn't take a check. We couldn't get gas. So we got out on the road and just started driving. And man, CK was just praying and worshiping God. And, and finally, I got up and, uh, you know, into the bed and just went to sleep. And I could hear her praising God. Long story short, what happened is that as we started getting closer to home, that motor home was just, just began to just kind of like chug. It was running out of gas. The needle was laying all the way down on the empty peg. And she would pray and it would pick back up. So I jumped down to where she was as we got close to our city. 
we noticed on the very outskirts of the city, there was a gas station that had its lights on because this is the middle of the night. We thought everything was going to be closed. And she said, should we try to stop in there and see if they have a check or would take a check? And I said, yeah, hon, let's, let's see. As we got right up to it, the engine died and we coasted right into the pumps. The attendant ran out, said, can I help you? And we said, yeah, do you take checks? And he said, of course. So we filled it up. Miracles happen. <laughs> Praise God. I want to mention also that sometimes these power gifts, faith, healing, and miracles, particularly when it comes to the healings, will happen in association with the driving out of a demon. Peter, when his shadow was going over people and healing them, it said that sick people came and they laid them all out there, those who were sick and had unclean spirits, and the Lord healed them all. Sometimes it's just a sickness. Sometimes it's a deliverance that happens or is caused by a demon, and so they operate in conjunction. Sometimes we find that there's miraculous restoration of the body that accompanies the healing. Ten lepers came to Jesus one time. It says that he prayed for them, told them to go show themselves to the priests, and that they were all cleansed. But as they went, one returned and came back and praised Jesus for being God and for healing them. And the Bible says that that one was made whole. They were all cleansed, but indicating the leprosy was stopped and that the priest would then tell them that they were cleansed and okay to re-enter society. But the one who praised Jesus was made whole, indicating that his body parts were restored. Oh, don't you just love it? Well, let's talk about the vocal gifts now. The gift of prophecy is an inspired utterance in an understood language, revealing otherwise unlearned truths. Now, in the New Testament, that gift operated many times. In the 19th chapter of Luke, we discover that Jesus stood up and prophesied and foretold the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, that was a future event. So very often there's word of wisdom or knowledge that operates with prophecy and tells about a future occurrence. But it can also be about anything else. You know, when the Apostle Paul was on his way back to Jerusalem and Agabus took the belt off of Paul's waist and wrapped it around, tied his hands together and said, this is waiting for you when you go to Jerusalem. Through the gift of prophecy, there was a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. You see, healings, all the other gifts can operate through prophecy because prophecy is a carrying gift. It's a pronouncing gift. In Acts 19, there were Ephesians who were filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that Paul laid his hands on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. The prophecy there was like on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 
where they worshiped God. They didn't know what they were saying. They were speaking in other languages, other tongues, but prophesying the goodness of God. When I prophesy, it comes in so many different forms. Prophecy comes forth through my sermons, and it's just an inspired utterance. I don't even know what I'm saying sometimes, and I have to listen to the sermon after I'm through to realize what it is that God prophesied to the people. Many times, in services, out of services, anywhere, that there's personal prophecy. There's also public prophecy that comes forth. Uh, There's a sharing of visions and dreams through prophecy. Because you prophesy, it doesn't make you a prophet. Now, remember that prophecy is actually found in all three listings. So there's a baseline of prophecy that can be upon somebody that the Father gives through the motivational gifts. And that's just an ability to speak under inspiration. There's also the charismatic gift of prophecy, where the Holy Spirit comes on us at times of need and goes on and extends past our natural abilities and tacks on these spiritual giftings to just flow with that ability to speak by inspiration. And then there's the gift that Jesus gives, or the fivefold ministry gifts, of the prophet. Prophecy is given to the church. Everybody has the ability to prophesy in some measure, but that doesn't mean you're in the office of the prophet. I just wanted to clarify that. You know, these vocal gifts are given for edification and exhortation and comfort and knowledge and seeing what's going on in the spiritual realm and all of that. We just need to be careful about using it to try to give other people personal direction. And I always say this, be careful. We really don't need to be going around prophesying who people are supposed to be marrying, where they're to live, where they're to work. I mean, there are various functions of the gifts that happen and uh, out of the mouth of two or three people and bearing witness in the individual person. There are tests. There are things that are going on. But let's be careful about manipulating people with prophecy. Use it to bless their lives, not to control them. Now let's address the last two gifts, and we'll do it together because they're coupled. They always work together, and that's different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now remember, he doesn't just say tongues or speaking in tongues. It's a different kind of tongues with their interpretation. In other words, it's a message that's given in some kind of a public assembly. It could be one-on-one. It could be in a small group. It could be in a large congregation. And the distinction between, when we're talking about tongues, between your own individual prayer language and this gift, this message and interpretation, we'll call it, even though I want to make sure it's different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues in Scripture, is that in your own heavenly prayer language, in 1 Corinthians 14, the first few verses, describes that you are speaking to God and thereby you are being edified. But when it is the message and interpretation public assembly, it is down in about the 21st verse, God speaking to the people and the other people being edified. That's the distinction, but it still operates under the rules of tongues. 
different kinds of tongues, is an inspired utterance in language that is not understood or learned by the speaker. It's not something that your intellect knows and understands. It is the Holy Spirit coming upon, just like all of the other gifts. It's supernatural empowerment. Interpretation of tongues is an inspired utterance interpreting different kinds of tongues into an understood language of those that are around. There are no real examples of these in the Old Testament. They are New Testament spiritualities. They serve as a sign of the Lord's presence on his people. However, types of these two gifts can be seen in Scripture, such as in Daniel 5, where the finger of God wrote on King Belshazzar's wall in an unknown language, and then only Daniel, a man of God, could interpret it. And we find instructions of the use of these in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 21, 26 through 28, and 39, how they're to operate in public assembly. Paul also gave us instruction that the message with the interpretation, that gift, was equivalent to prophecy because both brought edification to the people. Now, these are the spiritual gifts. Again, I must say, I desire that you would not be ignorant, but that you would operate fully in the gift mix and all of the spiritualities that God has placed into your life. Realize that they operate hand in hand. There'll be two or three. I told you the story of how that I, the one lady in the meeting asked me, if, you know, she said, if, if God can show you these things and that I may have a need, then he can tell you what it is. So I had a number of gifts. When I opened my mouth and said, you got a teenage daughter, 16, who's run away, and that whole thing, it was prophecy. But it was a word of knowledge that she had a teenage daughter had run away. It was a word of wisdom that the daughter would be getting a hold of her within the next 48 hours and coming home because it was a future event and the wisdom of God about what needed to be done that the lady needed to just wait and pray and and believe. They all work together. What the Holy Spirit has for you, he's going to bless you with. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for all these wonderful people that, Lord, that you would release an anointing for understanding, picking up on, moving in their spiritual gifting. Teach them to do it accurately and to bless themselves and others because it's all from you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, thank you for your gifts. In the name of Jesus Christ. Wow, won't you join me in future episodes as we continue to talk about third heaven authority. And and I share from the word of God and from my heart, my experiences, all of these things with you. And subscribe to Third Heaven Authority with Mike Thompson on your favorite podcast platform. Go use your gifts. 
in Jesus' name.